Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. Away from distraction, <clears throat> away from the things that trouble us, Lord, would you lift our heads to you, that we would see your face. Amen. After my father died, I went to say goodbye. But I discovered he'd already left. I'd seen him asleep many times, but this was different. The breath had gone out of him. His body, so familiar, so real, so vibrant, seemed to have been replaced by a wax look-alike. He was no longer there. He was completely and utterly gone. I was with my mother when she died in the dead of night. I heard her take a breath, and then the next breath didn't come. I I witnessed time and eternally, eternity finally merge seamlessly. And in the hours that followed, as I waited for the doctors to start their shift, I went down to the hospital prayer room. I have just seen someone die. I kept saying to myself, I, I have just seen someone die until I found myself kneeling in front of a cross in that prayer room, clutching the horizontal beam. And what emerged really surprised me because it was a prayer to Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I had I had just seen someone die, and now I understood in a deeper way how Jesus' death had touched my life and changed everything. The invitation in this text that Heather has read, a snippet from an ancient letter, is very stark, very dramatic. It's about life and death. It's a call for Christians to recognize who they really are. A Christian is alive, breathing the very breath of God. A Christian is adopted, sharing with Christ in the family business. Next Sunday, we're going to see this played out visually in a baptism service. We're going to take away the carpet from here. We're going to fill a tank with water. 
And Liam is going to walk down these steps into the water to demonstrate what has already happened to him. And he will declare, I am dead. Dead to self-absorbed existence, dead to being tyrannized by selfish desires, dead to be in charge of his own life and goodness, dead to what Eugene Peterson calls a timid, grave-tending life. In words and physical actions, Liam will state, I am dead. And just to prove it, Abby will bury him in the water. Come next Sunday evening to see this powerful funeral service. But come with joy and excitement and wonder because this is also a resurrection service. Because as Liam comes up out of the water, the past is washed clean. In dying to himself, Liam has been raised to new life. As we sang just now, he is a new creation. And he now freely lives in Jesus' story. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus died for him. Jesus was buried for him. Jesus rose for him. And now Liam is alive in Jesus' story for today and all his tomorrows. Alive to think God's thoughts. Alive to desire God's way. Alive to resist dead end fear to slavery and fear. Alive to be all that God has created him to be. Alive to the spirit of Christ who lives in him. Alive to breathe deeply the very breath of God so that he is filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit. Alive. Next Sunday, Liam will be reminded that he can call the God who made the heavens and the earth, Abba, Father. Bill will still be his earthly father, but the Spirit will say, God has adopted you. You can call God the most intimate and loving of names, Abba, Daddy, because that is what he is forever. Adopted. My brother and sister were both adopted chosen. Every night I used to pray by my bedside, God, give me a little sister. And one day my father came home and said, come and see what we've got in the car. (laughs) (laughs) And there next to the shopping (laughs) was my sister. Well, there was a blanket over my mother's knees and I thought, Why has my mother got a blanket? Because we were in Brazil and it was very hot. And we never had blankets. But in this blanket was this two-year-old sister. So I picked her up and I walked her home, her head narrowly missing the sides of the doors. And God had given me a sister. My parents had looked at her and said, we want you, we so want you as a daughter. Two or three years later, 
They went looking for my brother. We got on a bus for six hours in a dusty, um, dusty road with lots of bumps and um, stones. And we went to a place where there was a little boy who needed a family. And we realized that we had a space just that would fit him. And so he came and was part of a family. And we said, we would love you to be part of our family of four, now five. My parents would love to have you as a son. Now with me, they didn't have a choice. I just arrived, <laughs> for better or worse, and I was late, as usual. <laughs> but my brother and sister, they were special. They were chosen, adopted. But there's more to this life in the spirit, because next Sunday, the promises to Liam and to all who are in God's story, alive and adopted for now and all the way into the future, verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Life amid the struggles of a world that is so broken. Life when it can feel really futile. Life beyond death. It's said that Billy Graham told uh, people who came to listen, Billy Graham was a preacher who went all over the world and spoke to many, many millions of people about Jesus. And he said... He died a few years ago. Someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't believe a word of it. I shall be more alive now. I shall be more alive than I am now. I've just changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God, or perhaps I would say the, the nearer presence of God. Paul wrote to Christians in Rome, the capital of a vast empire, to encourage them. He hadn't visited Rome yet, and he only knew some of the people in the church, but he wanted them to know really precious assurance in all the details and issues of their lives. You are alive, he says. You are adopted into God's family with all its privileges and responsibilities. Remember who you are. Be who you are. And across the centuries since that letter was written to the church, the Holy Spirit whispers to you today, you are alive. You are adopted. The Father has taken you into his family you are co-heir with Jesus. You share the delight of knowing the one who made you, the wonder of joining in with the adventure of faith, the sense of purpose that comes from being part of his mission to those who really wish they were alive. His spirit breathes God's life in you from the top of your head to your heart and your toes every minute of every day. 
I never really thought much about breathing until I was in hospital high dependency bed, struggling to breathe. I always thought it was sort of natural. I took it for granted. I, I was born breathing. No one taught me how to breathe. No one had to convince me that I should breathe. I just breathed. But at that time in hospital and in the months that followed, I've had a lot of time to meditate on the mystery of breathing. And I've been reminded, among many things, of how completely and utterly dependent I am on God just to move the air in and out my body, to keep me alive every second. I realize that I don't see my breath and I don't feel, feel it, but God is closer to me than even my very breath. We have just sung today, you give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. This morning, you may say, it's a struggle to pour out my praise. I really am not very alive. I haven't been sleeping well. My back aches. My family's driving me mad. I've got exams this week, and I'm weary of revising. I hate the gloom and cold of December days. I don't feel the peace and forgiveness that I'm supposed to feel. And I'm really worn out from trying. I wonder if you can hear Paul's encouragement. Christ lives in you, verse 10. So you are alive because God has accepted you. Even though your bodies must die because of your sin, God's spirit now lives in you. And he will raise you to life by his spirit. Or perhaps you're thinking, I'm just not sure how I feel about being adopted. I struggle with having intimacy with with God as a father and all this lot sitting around as my brothers and sisters. Just look at them. Everyone else seems to have their life all fitting together, but I'm driven by desires that I could never disclose to anyone, addictions that are fun and destructive all at once. I'm, I'm second class in this family. I'm frightened of anyone, including God, ever getting very close. Here, Paul say, verse 17, his spirit lets us know that together with Christ, you will be given what God has promised. We will, all, we will also share in the glory of Christ because we have suffered with him. Do you note the future tense? We live in a brutal evil world. The self that we've put to death has a habit of jumping out the grave and mocking our devotion. Even after the excitement of baptism, even with the Holy Spirit living in us, even surrounded by the most wonderful spiritual family, being a Christian is a battle. But the struggle, the disappointment with the state of your spiritual life, the fact that you have showed up today is a sure sign that God has hold of you. You are, as they say, a work in progress. 
And in it all, the Holy Spirit is transforming you. He is holy. And so he wants to deal with the sin that makes a mess of you and your relationships. But because you are adopted, he is totally invested in making you like Jesus, your brother. I remember telling someone about my many doubts and fears and moral weaknesses and my constant preoccupation with tracking them. And he looked at me with kindness and said, look at this plant. It doesn't help for me to keep pulling it out of the pot to make sure the roots are strong. Growth takes time. Let it be. It's alive. I'm watching it, watering it. If you're a Christian, you are alive. God's spirit is in you. Breathe. And if you're not a Christian, why not resolve to explore Jesus' story and see where it takes you? Why not ask God to show you who Jesus is? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Breathe in the songs and the prayers of Christians sitting around you today. That is what church is for. These, your adopted brothers and sisters, have their own struggles. We need each other. Ask for prayer. Offer prayer. Sometimes it, it takes a massive act of will and faith to respond, Jesus, to you we lift our eyes. Sometimes you need to physically lift your head when there's so much around you that would turn your eyes downward. Jesus, our glory and our prize. But it will be all the more precious because it's a costly act. We adore you, behold you, our saviour ever true. Oh Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. Notice the we. We lift our eyes. We adore you. We turn our eyes to you together. I've enjoyed the A's of this morning. And had the PowerPoint come, or had I sent it, should I say? <laughs> you would have seen the beautiful balloons that I drew Colourful balloons, balloons of life in the spirit, full of the breath of God, the A of assurance, the A of being alive, the A of being adopted. But there's another A here, and that is the A of adventure. Because life in the spirit is a life of adventure. In the text that we read, it talked about us being led by the Spirit. But I rather like the message translation, which perhaps adds a bit more to that text, where it says, God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you've received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? 
I have a friend in Australia who once told me that her life was going a bit awry and she wasn't too sure what she was going to do. She said, but what I say is, what's next, Papa? And I thought, what a strange thing to say. And I found it here in the Bible, in Romans 8. <laughs> so look around you this morning. Every brother and sister has stories of adventure with God. Take time to ask someone older about the surprises when God has answered their prayers in ways they didn't expect. Speak to a new believer about what they're discovering as they begin to read the Bible. See with fresh eyes what Children's Church and Rooted are exploring in their time together. Hear about the challenges which the person beside you has faced this week in loving and being truthful in difficult situations with demanding individuals. Read stories of God's people through the centuries and across the world who saw the impossible happen because they gave themselves wholeheartedly to God to feed the hungry, to challenge injustice, to care for those with weaknesses that everyone feared, changing the course of history. Listen to podcasts accounts of how the good news of Jesus has transformed the lives of terrorists, homemakers, diplomats, migrants, and prisoners. And don't overlook the quiet and just ordinary-looking individuals whose stories reflect the kindness, the healing, the hope of Jesus, even amid distress and darkness. Share with friends what keeps you faithful to Jesus when it would be so much easier to give up. What has brought you joy when the Christian walk can feel very dull? What stimulates you to share your faith with people you bump into or have known for years and years? A life in the spirit is a life of adventure because God is on the move and he invites you to come with him. I spoke about being in hospital uh, a year ago, not able to breathe. And it was actually quite a wonderful time. I've had some very amazing encounters with God in Ninewells Hospital. I'm sure it's just somewhere between us and heaven is Ninewells. <laughs> <laughs> Although sometimes it can feel like hell. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but when I finally got out of um, high dependency and went up to a ward, I couldn't lift my head because if I lift it, I felt dizzy, I couldn't breathe, and I couldn't leave the bed. And I said, God, what am I going to do? Because normally, if you're a Christian, you're meant to be doing things, saving the world. Um, and I couldn't save anything. I couldn't lift my nose um, above the, the pillow. And the word that came to me was witness. Witness. Watch what I'm doing here on this ward. And that's all I could do. All I could do was lie and listen there were a few stories I could tell, but the one that I think really heartened me and reminded me of the adventure of following Jesus was the lady opposite. She was the only one who could move from her bed. She was waiting for tests. She was really, really uncomfortable. She, she really was suffering. Um, and, but she was a, the sweetest of lady, waiting day after day for a test that would... Um, help her to know what was wrong with her, why she felt so terrible. And um, I was praying for her that she would 
that God would meet her, whatever was happening with her. And one day she piped up, I wonder if there's any Bibles. I can't find any Bibles here in the, the locker next to me. Now, if I'd been well, I would have rushed, I'd have given her a Bible, and I would have preached her a sermon like this one. (laughs) But thankfully, God had me on my back, and I just lay there staring at the ceiling. (laughs) You hear a lot in hospital. You hear all about what the person's illness is, because the doctors put um, a curtain round, which means you you can hear everything. (laughs) You can hear every telephone conversation that she told her sister what she'd had for breakfast, which was the same as she's had the day before. Um, Her worries about what this was, and I lay staring at the ceiling. She went off and she went into um, another place and came back with a New Testament, big print. And as she passed my bed, I said, what are you going to read? And she said, oh... I'll read the stories of Jesus and Romans. I thought, wow. (laughs) She'd been at church a little bit when she was younger. She'd been married in a church, but um, hadn't been for a long time. And as she lay there, sort of holding her Bible, the New Testament up, I prayed, Lord, speak to her. I can't. Please, would you speak to her from your word? So later when she passed my bed, I said, how was that, what you read? And she said, I don't know. I just couldn't get anything from it. I, I don't know. It just didn't do anything for me. Ian had brought um, a Bible for me to read. I hadn't, I honestly had much energy to read it, and it was quite heavy. But I said to her, you know, sometimes if you read the Bible from a different version, it comes to you in a new way. And it was strange, because normally the ward was really busy and really noisy, but that, that conversation, there was no one around. I don't know what had happened to them all. And I said, look, I'll read you something. See if you can guess what part of the Bible it's from. So I found Psalm 23, which is perhaps a part of the Bible that if people know nothing about the Bible, they'll know Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And all of a sudden, I find myself lying on my back, reading a psalm to a quiet ward, well, a side ward of five or six people. Can you guess where that's from? And the lady this side, that's Psalm 23. (laughs) (laughs) You prepare me a four-course dinner. Surely you will follow me all the days of my life. There I was, hardly able to breathe, reading Psalm 23 to a group of people all chained to their beds, not able to run away. When I was leaving, I said to her, do you want to look at this Bible, see what you think? And as I was waiting to go, she came to me and she said, this Bible, it's like a book. I can't put it down. I want to keep reading it. I prayed with her and I gave her the Bible. And I still pray for her. And I wonder if sometimes God needs to get us flat on our back, not able to do anything so that he can get out the way, so that when we have no words, he is the one who speaks. When we don't know what to do, his spirit is the one who puts the breath in us 
to touch people. And I wonder if I was put in hospital simply to hand over that Bible to that lady. As Advent begins today, why not take time to prepare? Let Jesus come to you afresh. Perhaps you don't know Jesus yet, and this is a wonderful time to begin to get to know him. And if you do, enjoy who you are in Christ, alive, adopted, and ready to join Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in their adventures. Amen.